The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we're here to break down everything you need to know to bet and play fantasy for this week's Genesis Invitational. And to do that, as we do every Tuesday, I've got Greg Ducharme on the line. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. I'm doing great. It, this is an exciting week for fantasy golf. I mean, look at this field. This field, this is like a major championship. What, what gets better than this? We kind of uh, poo-pooed the field last week. And we came on here and we were like, wow, like Brandon Grace is the ninth favorite in this field or like Daniel Berger yep. is the eighth fit or whatever it was. And now it's like, wow, they just smacked us in the face with, uh, I mean, this might be the best field you get all year. I mean, it is stacked like a WGC or like a major, but like, you know, the Masters has the past winners down at the bottom that don't really compete. Some of the ma- like the PGA Championship could have like the PGA tour or the PGA pros that are like at the bottom. But like this feels solid all the way through. This is an unbelievable field. It really is. I mean, it, it's almost it, it's like a, a challenging thing to digest. The other thing is, Rick, if you look at some of these top guys, they all have pretty good course history there. Like yeah. everybody seems to have played well here at some point. So it, it's a, a classic golf course with a great field and it's Tiger's event, which now has elevated status. It's it's really cool. I mean, this everybody's come out to play for Tiger and it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, so to uh, reference that a little bit. So now that this is an invitational, you mentioned the elevated status. You get the three years as opposed to the two-year exemption for winning this event, but also it shrinks the field. So we're down to 120 players in the field, which means a higher percentage are going to be making the cut. There's like little different things like that, but you're right. This, this is, uh, everyone answered the call and everyone showed up. I think Webb, Webb Simpson is the only guy in the official world golf rankings top 10 that is not at this event. Does that sound right to you? That is right. Yeah. It's nine out of 10 guys. Webb's the only guy that's out. Okay. There you go. So let's talk about this. So uh, Genesis Invitational, Riviera Country Club, which actually uh, you know, we've seen Riviera over and over again. This is going to be the host for when the Olympics come to L.A. in 2028, which is kind of cool. Uh, but like when I look at this course, Greg, I, I think it's kind of like sneaky long. So on paper, it's like 72, 7,300 yards, which is not anything super outrageous. But with that really short par four, number 10, and number one is like the most eagled hole on the PGA Tour, or at least one of them, uh, that that chops out a lot of the yardage right there. And you're left with some really long par fours. You're looking at seven, I, I last time I counted, seven par fours over 450 yards. So yeah. these are definitely... 
Um, it's definitely going to lead to some longer iron shots coming into these greens, which are difficult to hit. Uh, the, the greens are, I mean, they're some of the most difficult greens to hit on the PGA Tour. Um, and it, tour averages are like 66% of greens of regulation hit. And part of that is the, the length of the holes, the clubs you're going to have coming into the greens. Part of it is the firmness of the greens that they're typically pretty firm and firm greens are harder to hit. Uh, it definitely shrinks green sizes. And then the other thing is the rough tends to be, uh, it, it's a, a tricky rough to get out of. You can get some bad lies. You can get good lies, but it can be difficult to judge. And again, with fairways that are also hard to hit, there's some of the most difficult fairways to hit on the PGA Tour. Uh, the, the fairway in regulation percentage or driving accuracy percentage, however you want to say it, is about 61% tour average. So that is, uh, those are, those are challenging to hit. And then add the length, add the firmness of the greens, add the fact that you're coming out of the rough a lot. Hard to get the ball on the green this week. Yeah, as you mentioned, both hitting fairways, hitting greens below PGA Tour average. This course ranked 10th in terms of difficulty last season, the 10th most difficult course out of 49 on the PGA Tour. And I think this is a second straight week where, okay, so normally, I don't, I usually throw like short game, you know, strokes gained around the green, kind of out the window, strokes gained putting we know can be so volatile. But for the second straight week, when greens are difficult to hit, there are going to be ups, you know, you, you got to get up and down for par. Like you have to have a short game around here. We saw last week, uh, what Phil was able to do with his short game. It kept him in contention for, you know, 65 holes or whatever it was. So like, I think we're going to get another week like that because it's not going to be 25 under par. You know, the, the last two years of winning yeah. scores, JB at 14 under, Bubba at 12 under, getting up and down, making pars, that, there, that's going to be some, a good score on a lot of these holes. I couldn't agree more. Uh, the short game is definitely important. I think that's why you see here, there's so much success at the top of the game. Like the really good players, the big dogs that are playing in the field have good records here. Uh, yeah. it's a lot of big names that win. And it's just for that reason. Cause not only is short game very important, um, but also, the difference between this place and Pebble, in my opinion, is Pebble allows you to hit less drivers off the tee. There's a lot more opportunity to lay back off the tee. There, it opens it up to more different styles of, of winners at, at a Pebble Beach because it's a little bit, uh, it plays a little with four par fives. It plays a little bit shorter. Some of the holes are a little, there's fewer long par fours that you have to deal with at Pebble. So it opens up to a guy like a Brant Snedeker who can play really well out there. Mm-hmm. That, that type of player. And I'm not picking on Brant by any means, but that type of player will have a little bit less success historically at a Riviera. Distance becomes a much more important thing because it's going to ask you to hit drivers. Those longer par fours that I mentioned require the drivers. They require longer irons into the greens. Um, and, and that gives a, an advantage to the player who hits the ball a long way. Now, short game is also very important. So now all of a sudden you start cutting guys out of the field, long hitters with maybe weaker wedge games down to long hitters that have really good wedge games. And now you're looking at top 20 players in the world for the most part. Let's talk about some of those past winners that you mentioned. So JB Holmes, your defending champion, quite frankly, when we were at the tournament of champions, 
you know, you play the game every year where you're like, okay, what event uh, did this guy win to get here? J.B. Holmes was the guy I was stuck on. I was like, where did J.B. win? Because it was so long ago. Yeah. Uh, but J.B. is going to defend here at Riviera. Uh, two years ago, Bubba Watson was your winner. That's a name you'll hear a lot. Uh, the year prior to that, DJ won it. Bubba won it again in 2016. James Hahn in 15. And who else but Bubba Watson in 14. This is the every other year even year Bubba Watson thing that he has going on. But when you look at those uh, winners, to your point, Greg, I mean, outside of James Hahn, and I know Bubba's name appears on here three times, but Bubba's a bomber, DJ's a bomber, JB Holmes is a bomber. Like distance may not necessarily be required, but it certainly helps in a big way. It's as close to required as as it gets out here. There you go. So yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think it's an extremely important thing to consider this week. Uh, when we're when we're looking at this golf tournament, so um, th- yeah, it's it's going to be very important, no doubt. What I can't remember, James Hahn won this in fifteen at he was six, like six under. under, right? What was that? Was it like super kicking? Like what? I don't remember. Why was it six under? I think there was a little bit of wind that picked up, if I remember correctly. It's one of those interesting tournaments where guys don't really go low; they're having a real hard time out there, and yeah. it just it opens it up a little bit more because you don't have to. In order for James Hahn to shoot fourteen or fifteen under, like that formula is very difficult to get to. True for a guy like a Brant Snedeker to get to fourteen or fifteen under. That formula is very difficult. You have to play near perfect golf. So if you see extremely difficult conditions, if you see extremely difficult pins, you see wind pick up, you see things that are kind of abnormal pop up at at Riviera, that opens up the field. But I I think that's fairly unlikely. Yeah. Um, Okay. So now as we're going into this, we're talking about the field. Uh, I'm looking at the DraftKings player pool. I'm looking at, you know, the betting board and I'm trying to figure out kind of what my strategy, uh, is going to be for the week with so many good players here. Um, but I, I don't think personally, I don't, I don't think you have to overthink this because there's so many great studs in the field. Naturally, a lot of like, you know, their DraftKings ownership, it gets spread out a little bit more. There's not going to be, there's not one guy in every price range that is the obvious play, which leads to a lot of similar golfers being in lineups. This is like wide open. So I don't think you need to necessarily uh, do anything crazy to, to set yourself apart from the rest of the DraftKings field. I agree with you on this. I almost think it's a difficult one for that reason. Nobody stands out because everybody's done well here and everybody's playing really good. I mean, think about Rory McIlroy just had another top five finish at at the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, He has a good record here. John Rahm has a uh, a limited but a good record here. I think a T15 finish for him. Justin Thomas came in second last year. He has a good record here. Tiger has the lowest scoring average of anybody who's never won here, right? And and he's swinging the club better than he ever has. He's going to be a, a great guy to pick. DJ has a great record here, and you know so and he played well last week, aside from a, a pretty pretty bad Sunday round, which can happen. So you kind of go down this list, and these guys in the in the above ten thousand range, they you can't really go wrong. They all look great. DJ, I would say, is probably the obvious fade because. We still haven't seen a lot of him. He did play a really poor round on Sunday. He's like a little bit easier to fade than the other guys. But, I mean, these guys are – you can't really go wrong. Do you agree? 
yes. So let me, let me read you this. So you, you nailed the five guys over 10K, but the three, like the three big guys, the three guys at the top are Rory, Rom, and Justin Thomas. Uh, Rory has won two of his last eight starts worldwide. JT has won three of his last nine starts worldwide, and John Rahm has won twice in his last six starts worldwide. Like, these guys are winning at a literally just prolific rate right now. There are no flaws in any of their games, and what I think you're seeing a lot of, we saw this kind of with Rory at the Farmers, we saw it with JT at Waste Management, like, even if they don't have their best stuff, they're still finishing in the top 10. They're still like Justin Thomas played one good round by his standards at the waste management and finished third. It's just like the floor is so high for every single one of these golfers. These are the these are the players that, among others, who are also in the field this week that in over the last couple of months, basically since you and I, Rick, have been doing the first cut, we've been talking about who the number one player in the world is, who's in this group of number one players in the world, potential number one players in the world. And right here you have Rory McIlroy, who is number one in the world now. Yep. You have John Rahm, who is, I think a lot of people are picking as a potential number one in the world. One day, there are very few people that I think would say, John Rahm will never get to number one in the world. He's right there. He is that kind of a talent. Justin Thomas has been number one in the world and is looking like he's in that kind of form now. So he's another guy that's right there in the mix. And this is the first time we're going to, we've been, we've seen a lot of Justin Thomas. We've seen a lot of John Rahm lately. So we know right where they are. Rory, we have seen a little bit less, but he is number one in the world now. He is the guy sitting on the mountaintop. So this is going to be the first time we really get to see these guys stack up against each other and duel it out and see, hey, who, who really is the best of this bunch? So uh, now now you have to answer that question because let's assume, and you're only going to get one of these guys in your lineup if you decide to go that route. I think it is completely spl- splitting hairs, but I do have a guy in mind. Um, you have to pick one of Rory, Rom, or JT to anchor your DraftKings lineup. Who is it? So this is an interesting question. This The answer <laughs> to this question is not necessarily – who do I think the best player of these three is? Mm-hmm. So who the best? Who's the best pick this week? Well, for one, I don't think it's a bad idea to consider fading all of them. I know that okay. sounds crazy, but we're going to get into some of these other players who I believe are potential anchors. But that being said, I think Justin Thomas would be my pick if I'm going to spend eleven thousand dollars or more here uh, in this area of the lineup. I, I think I like JT. I really like the way he's striking his irons right now. You mentioned the fact that that really, that, that one bad round or, or the, the floor being so high, the bad play for a week at waste management turns into a T3. I think you can see that similarity here, uh, this week at, at, uh, at Riviera. And he did come in second last week or last year at this event. So I, I love JT this week. I think he's, Probably in the best form of the three. So I love all of these guys, but I, my guy is also JT. So for a couple of reasons, um, there's this stat that I, I stumbled upon, uh, the other day where Justin Thomas has gained strokes T to green, which quite frankly is like my favorite whole stat in the world. Cause I don't care if you can putt or not being great T to green is a, a massive indicator for success. And he has gained strokes T to green in 42 of his last 43 measured tournaments. That's insane. That's, that is multiple years 
where he just puts himself like that's the floor that I'm talking about right. when he just continues to give himself a chance. And here's the the caveat to that: the only tournament he lost in Can that I stretch guess? was sure Sony Open. No, he actually gained that week. Oh uh, man! Despite missing the cut, he was a, a small a small gain that week. It was the 2019 Memorial where that was his first like that after the two and a half months he took off with the wrist injury uh-huh. that was his first start back yeah so you could you could almost even throw that one out and be I like would yeah throw that out right and then if you then you, then it goes back to like 50 something starts it's really unbelievable um and, and that to me is just my favorite stat it, it i think it really correlates to success and the fact that he's the cheapest one here um right that definitely helps and here, here's, here's what I think you were, or what you had mentioned, Greg, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll make an argument for this as well. Uh, I might full fade all of these guys, or at least the top three, because I think that you have to, if you're, you have to be correct twice here. You have to be correct that one of these three, Rory, Rom, or JT, probably wins the golf tournament, or is one of the highest draft king scorers. And if you get that correct, you have to be correct on which one it is because you can't get two of them in your lineup. So you, I feel like you have to be correct twice. If you full fade at least those three guys, uh, you have now removed two difficult decisions from, uh, what you're working with. And you, and now you don't have to like, you could be right that one of these guys wins, but you might get the wrong one. I just, I feel like it's hard to guarantee. It, it's a little bit too tough to guarantee success because everybody's had so much success here. It's like, there, you have just a, a whole crop of guys behind that have racked up tie 15 finishes and top fives and top tens year after year after year. Every, it seems like everybody has a good record here that's in this kind of $9,000 group behind them. And it makes it really hard for me to, to say, first of all, yes, Rory, Rom, or JT is going to win. That's a hard question to, to say off the top. And then you're right. Which one? You pick JT and, Ro- and McElroy wins. And you're in real trouble here. So <laughs> the other thing is, as you get down, we, we know that the field is deep all the way through. Yeah. But the field is really strong, in my opinion, in the middle of, of the price range. Yeah. And if that's – like you can build a really solid lineup top to bottom in this without having one of those top guys and without having to go down to like Alonto Griffin who's down below seven, uh, $7,000. Hey, we like Lonto. Love Lonto. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you don't have to go, be- like, you don't have to go below right. that. Right. So, uh, and I do, we will get into Lonto today. But anyway, I digress. No, I think you're right. Because that next group, uh, this is where, yeah, th- these are guys that in any other field are a lot more expensive. Uh, Patrick Cantlay at $9,800. Bubba Watson, you know, three-time defending champion, nine, uh, or three-time winner here, 9,600. Brooks Kepka, the number two player in the world, 9,400. Hideki Matsuyama, 93. Xander, 92. Tony Finau at 91. And Adam Scott at an even 9,000. The thing that jumped right off to me when, when, you know, Monday morning when the odds broke, Bubba Watson, was 25 to 1 and Brooks Kepka the number 2 player in the world was 26 to 1 and that is being reflected here at this at this salary uh Bubba's 96 Brooks is 94 the DraftKings salaries reflect basically the same thing that the Vegas odds do is is that crazy yeah, no it's not <laughs> okay. i know it sounds crazy when you look at world golf rankings when you think about 
but it, it's not because you have to combine the, the course history here. You have to combine recent history here. And Brooks Kepka doesn't have either. He's never made the cut here and, and he's only, he's only started here once, I believe. And so, uh, he, he doesn't have that great record here and we haven't seen him recently. And when we did see him, it wasn't necessarily very consistent. So while I'm sure at this time next year, Brooks will be in a very similar position as it relates to world golf rankings. He's this, this is kind of part of the season that I'm not sure how much it means to him. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I've I've made this argument on Brooks Kepka many times before people knock on him for only caring about the majors. Brooks only cares about the majors. They say that like it's a, like it's a negative thing, but you earn the right to only care about the majors. And Brooks Kepka has put himself in position by caring about every single shot he hit on the driving range uh, to the extent where I've heard stories of him throwing temp as a, as a teenager throwing temper tantrums when his parents would pick him up at, at the golf course after him <laughs> being there for, for 10 hours. Right. So he's a guy that cares so deeply about everything. He's, he's earned the right to design his schedule, design his life around four tournaments. Not everybody does that. So I don't knock Brooks for that, but I think that that's the reason we see him in this position. And there's nothing wrong with that. As to Bubba Watson. Mm-hmm. There's more to this than just simply the trend of he won in 14, 16, 18, 20 looks like the next. Like this isn't just a stock <laughs> price. This isn't a line graph we're looking at here. There's a little more to it. And what I find so interesting about Bubba Watson is what happens with the putter. Not strokes game putting like we normally look at. I know you love strokes game putting, Rick. Not as Not much too. as strokes game tee to green. <laughs> we love strokes game statistics. They're They're very, very indicative. But with Bubba, we have to go a little bit farther. And the one statistic, the key statistic for Bubba is three-putt avoidance. He's so good tee to green, especially off the tee, that when Bubba can just simply two-putt and avoid three-putts, then he's going to do great. And if you look at his three-putt avoidance through the years, this year he's fifth. That is way better than he's ever been. In, in the odd years, 186th in 19. Bad year for him. In, in 17, 155th. In 15, 131st. In 13, 114th. Okay, these are, these are not very good. Let's go to the even years. I mentioned already, fifth so far this year. In 18, he was 65th. He won the Genesis. In 16, he was 67th. Won the Genesis. In 14, he was 12th. Won the Genesis and the Masters. In 12, he was 51st, won the Genesis and the Masters. So when Bubba is in that sort of below 67th, we'll call it 70th or better in in three-putt avoidance, he typically does really well at this golf course, and he typically has a pretty good year as a whole. Uh, when he's above that kind of in the triple digits, kind of above the, say, 110 or worse in three-putt avoidance, he doesn't have a very good year. And the the, the horses for courses mentality doesn't hold as true. So I think with Bubba, you're going to see kind of this recent form, this course history pay off because of what he's doing with his putter. It's a sign that he's got speed of the putter. He's got speed control on the greens. That's going to allow him to make some putts as well, uh, let alone avoid bogeys in that sense. What do you think of that, Rick? I I love it. I, I think it's an, a great, perfect storm for Bubba this week. I, I mean, he would have been popular. He would have been expensive. He would have been uh, whatever – no matter what his recent form was because of the three-time champion thing, right? right? There's only, there's, there's so few guys that can tout a three-time winner at any 
event, let alone three times in the last five years, right, or six years. So, like, yes, he would have been popular. Then you throw in the fact that he's in great form, sixth at the Farmers, third at the Waste Management, and even though we're not talking about strokes gained putting, he's gained putting in four of his last five starts, which let me tell you is uh, not normally like Bubba. So he does have a great feel for the putter right now. He's always been great off the tee. He's firing his irons. Like it's, it really is just a perfect storm. Now, if you're going to play him, if you're going to play him in your DraftKings lineup, you're not going to be the only one. So you might want to differentiate in some other of your roster spots. Uh, one of the places that I like my, my first man in, in a lot of lineups is going to be Patrick Cantlay. Uh, he's $9,800. He is another one. And I've actually already bet him. I got him at 20 to one, Greg. I think I see a great bet. Yeah. I think I got him at 17 or he's down to 17. Now I got him at 20, but, uh, he's 9,800 on DraftKings, And what I like about him is he didn't have his best stuff last week. He, he, he kind of got out to a, a hot start. I think he shot a 66 in the opening round. Yep like kind of just holds it together for the weekend and ends up finishing T11. Uh, then you look back and say, okay, well, you know, how has he played the rest of the season? Well, he was fourth at the tournament of champions. He popped at the Shriners like he always seems to do. He's played well here at Genesis the last two years with a 15th and a fourth. He's won an invitational before he's won the Memorial. Like, like, I don't know. It just feels like he's longer than what people think he is. Like, it just is like every checkbox that I want, Patrick Cantlay seems to check off. Remember we were talking about the golf course being more difficult to hit um, when it comes to driving accuracy than most courses on the PGA Tour. It's definitely yeah. one of the more difficult. Well, Patrick Cantlay, who's averaging 300 yards off the tee, is also hitting 70% of his fairways this year, That's which good. is ridiculously <laughs> good. I mean, it, it's ridiculously good. So he's not only long, but he just hits the ball on a string. And I love that aspect. He hits a lot of greens of regulation. He's he's going to be a guy when the year ends. He's going to be in the top twenty, probably in all the strokes gained tee to green categories, off the tee and and approach the green. He's probably going to be up there, top ten, top twenty at least. Um, he's just that kind of a talent when it comes to tee to green, and that's part of the reason why he has such success at these classic golf courses like a Muirfield Village where he won the Memorial, like a Riviera where he's got a, a T4 and a T15 in his last two starts. These classic golf courses, I think, suit Patrick Cantlay very, very well because there's such a benefit to solid ball striking. It's one of my favorite things. It's a ball striker's golf course. The reason for that is there's a greater penalty for miss. If you miss the ball, uh, if you miss fairways off the tee, you're going to have long, difficult shots into greens, and that's going to put you in bad positions around the greens. It's going to really challenge your short game. So it, hitting the ball into the fairway becomes more of an advantage at a place like this. It's something can't like and do. Hitting the ball on the green becomes more of an advantage this week than in normal weeks. Something else Patrick can't like and do. I, I look at him where he's priced this week, and I think it's almost. I think he's the most underrated player in the field. Uh, he's also a California kid. California kids typically putt really well in California. They they win the tournaments in California. So I I think for a guy that's below ten thousand, I think he's got the most win equity. Other than Bub, he and Bubba probably have the most win equity when you get down below uh, a Dustin Johnson. And I think they're right up there. I think they belong in that class with the Rorys and the Roms and the JTs for this week. I. I think that's fair in terms of win equity. The guy that uh, probably doesn't have the same amount of win equity, but I, like we might be silly for overlooking or waiting this long to talk about, 
Uh, Tony Finau's at $9,100. And yeah. Tony Finau, this is, okay, this is like a perception reality thing where if Tony would have surged up the leaderboard on Sunday at the waste management and finished second, he'd be very popular this week. But because he was two shots up with two to go to Webb Simpson and the perception is that he blew it, um, like, I feel like no one's talking about him, but he does everything we would expect him to. He's great off the tee. We know he's long. He has a second place here two years ago. I mean, his last three finishes, Greg, 14th at the American Express, 6th at the Farmers, 2nd at the Waste Management. Like, he's got form. He's got course history. He's got the skill set. Why, why, why aren't we playing him in every single lineup? Uh, well, I don't think there's <laughs> any reason to sit him this week. I, I think Tony is a great play. I think he's a great player. You do have, you always have to wonder after a tough loss like that at the waste management if there's a little bit of a a hangover. You don't know how a player's going to respond to that. My prediction is that Tony will will respond quite well and have a really good week. I don't know if you heard Rick, but there's a song on Twitter. Uh, one of one of my uh, listeners he he sent this song to me and it's a brilliant song. When will Tony Fina win again on the piano? And it's hysterical and it's so accurate. Tony got involved with it on Twitter and said, Hey, I can't wait for the remix after I win again, but you got to go check this out because he, uh, and I, I retweeted it uh, on Twitter. So if you want to go check that out, you can, but basically, is, hold on. I got to plug that. That is at the real GFD. That is where you're going to yeah, find. There that you go. <laughs> yeah. Go check it out. If you haven't heard it, it's a must listen. This song. First of all, it's a great, it, it's just a, it's a great song and it, it's, it's a remix to, I just can't fight this feeling anymore. Mm, so it's yeah. on the piano and he goes through all the, the near wins that Tony Fino has and says, you know, it feels like Puerto Rico was 2010. Uh, it, anyway, I won't spoil any more of it for you, but the point is, He's come really close a lot, and it's been quite often. And I think that Tony Fino is a guy that believes he's one of the best players in the world. I just, or I, I think Tony Fino believes he can be one of the best players in the world. I think Tony Fino thinks he can become world number one. I don't think he believes he's there now. And, and that's kind of these, all these close calls are, are hopefully teaching him that he is one of the best players in the world and can play like it today. He can play like it starting on Thursday. He can be, he is that talented. Um, so he's just got to believe it a little more. When he gets to that Sunday, he's got to, he's got to learn from what happened this week. He's got to be a little more aggressive. He's got to stick to what got him there just a little bit more. When he does that, he's going to win. And I, I think his attitude is really going to help him get through these difficult, uh, these close calls. And I think it's going to be a good thing for him. And one of these weeks, I'm not sure if it'll be this week. But there's going to be a tournament this year where, where on, on Tuesday or on Sunday night, we're talking about Tony Finau, the success he had and what he learned from all these close calls at 9,100. He's almost a must play this week. Yeah. His very similar to, uh, Webb Simpson's last year and a half or two years. Tony Finau strokes game numbers are that of a golfer who usually wins multiple times a year. And, you know, Webb didn't do it for a long time. And then he finally broke through. Unfortunately, it was kind of dunking on Tony Finau, uh, but in a similar situation where he seems to be knocking at the door. Now, I want to jump into the 8Ks and below. But before we do that, let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. It's a really fine line creating 
workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. All right, Greg, $8,000. Uh, that range right there, these are a lot of big names, a lot of established tour professionals. And producer Jacob, I hope you are recording this because I might only say this once in my life. I think I like Jordan Spieth this week. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, okay. Here's, let me try to talk myself in or out of this. So he's $8,400 on DraftKings. He is 55 to 1 to win this golf tournament. The The market on him has finally moved. So there was a long period of time, I mean, literally probably a year or or 18 months where Spieth was in the doldrums. His game was in the doldrums and his, he was still 22 to one to win golf tournaments. He was still $9,800 on DraftKings. Now that the market has finally adjusted, it took a while, but the market has adjusted. He's 55 to one. He's down here in the 8k range. And now it looks like very small, positives coming out of his game like the fact that he gained strokes off the tee in his last two tournaments which again his previous 16 starts he only gained in four of those so like this could be a trend where the driver's starting to figure it out the short game magic is always still there i don't think he's going to go out and shoot the you know the four and a half strokes gained on approach like he did in the final round of pebble we're not going to see that again that's a historic round but these are 
good vibes. These are positives for a guy that's upside is literally number one player in the world. And I'm, I'm now that the market has adjusted trying to catch Spieth early. Well, it is an opportunity to catch him early. I, I just, I still have so many questions to answer. And I go back to this. Like I want more than anything else for Jordan Spieth to prove me wrong. But yeah. one round to me, one good Sunday uh, at Pebble Beach doesn't necessarily tell me that he's back, right? It doesn't, it doesn't quite give me enough. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, during the time of all of his struggles, he has played plenty of great rounds of golf. I mean, in 2018, he was in the top 15 in round one or round two scoring average. Problem is Saturday and Sunday were, were significantly worse. And that tells me that he's getting somewhere, but he, he doesn't have it under the pressure. And while this was a great Sunday round, it was not a Sunday round where he was in contention. I mean, you consider he had the low round of the day and finished it just inside the top 10. So it's not like he was really in contention to win. I don't think he went into that round thinking, I have a chance at winning this. I'm going to go do my best, basically, more or less. And he started on the back and got to finish up on the easier front while the wind was kicking everybody's butt on the back. Right, and that makes a huge difference. So, I mean, is that going to be... Is that the reason he played well? Because he started on the on the back nine? No, I don't think that's the only reason. I think he played a great round of golf. I think he's capable of playing a great round of golf. I think he's capable of playing a great tournament. But I just haven't seen anything that says he's going to string this along for a period of time. I, I haven't seen any indicator that, hey, he's putting together three great rounds and one, one bad round is holding him back. I, I haven't seen that kind of indication out of him yet. And, and the, the great ball striking round that he had on Sunday is another thing. I haven't really seen an indication that this is something that's going to continue. Uh, so I, I have some, some real questions with Jordan still. Uh, I'm, I'm not rooting for this, but I don't think that one round is, is the sign of the future here. So in that AK range, there are plenty of guys to choose from. There's uh, Jason Day, Mark Leishman, Patrick Reed, Justin Rose. We mentioned Spieth already. Phil is here. Abraham Answer, Colin Morikawa, and Sungjae Im. Is there a guy or two that you are more optimistic about? Justin Rose, to me. I, mm. I, I look at Justin Rose in a couple different ways. One, he missed the cut at the Farmers this year. Uh, and last year, he won at the Farmers. My prediction on Justin Rose last year was he was going to have a down year for many, many reasons. One being the change in equipment. Um, and I thought he changed too many things. He changed his equipment. He changed his swing. He made some changes in his body uh, all after reaching number one in the world. I thought the timing of that was a mistake. And um, I hate to say that I'm, I was right, but at the same time, <laughs> no, you don't. all you of like a sudden, he's 10th in the world now. So is that the reason? Maybe, I know it's golf, so it, I don't mean, I love saying that I was right. I, I shouldn't say that, but what I don't like to say, hey, I told you he was going to have a bad year, right? It's just, and it's because he made all these changes. But I look at it and I say, okay, well, he made all these changes and now he, a guy that was number one in the world or number two, depending on which week you start, because he was going back and forth with Brooks Kepka there, all of a sudden he's number 10. So that gives me a lot of concern. When he won last year at the Farmers, I took a little bit of heat on that because, hey, he's going to have a bad year, and then he wins of like the first tournament he plays. Like, of, <laughs> of course he does. But uh, I and when I took that heat, I said, look, this, he's he's Justin Rose. He's incredibly talented. He's obviously capable of putting together a good week. I don't think it's going to last, and it didn't. So now 
we turn the table to the next year, I think Justin Rose is going to have an up year. Farmers Insurance Open, instead of, now I say he's going to have an up year, now he misses the cut. Right? Yeah. So, but one bad round, which basically was a 75 in the first round, would that, that cost him that cut. As you know all too well, Rick, picking him in the one and done. There. I'm, I'm very aware of that missed cut. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so, but, but basically one bad round, I don't think is a sign that he should be $8,500. I mean, he's $8,500. This is Justin Rose. He's one of the best players in the world. I think the golf course fits him perfectly. Again, it's another place where there's a big advantage for hitting fairways and hitting green, something Justin Rose does very well inherently. It, maybe the statistics this year aren't saying that because he hasn't played very much. Uh, I mean, again, you're talking about a, basically more or less one tournament. I, I, there are two tournaments. It, basically, you're talking about six rounds of golf. So his statistics aren't going to mean a whole lot to me right now. So, uh, But I look at Justin Rose and I say, hey, this guy is too good to be priced where he is. Uh, and and I think he is going to be on the rise. Yeah, he's guaranteed to win uh, coming off the miscut where I played him in the one and done. So he's certainly winning this week. You're uh, just how, saying based on luck, based on karma. I'm just saying just like, uh, yeah, I picked him, you know, one start too early or whatever, and he got me $0. Yeah. And now he's going to come back and get like, and this is a pretty significant prize pool for one and done too. Um, Mark Leishman's 8,700. And I feel like he's going to go completely under the radar because one, he won in his last start, which again, we've talked about golf yeah. is the only sport in which we penalize uh, people for that. And it's been a couple of weeks. We haven't seen him since the farmers, but here's my case. Um, if this turns into a firm, fast, uh, type of situation, we know Leishman can get around any one of these courses. He's got two top five finishes here at Riviera in his last four starts. Now he's sandwiched them with missed cuts so he's not a safe option by any stretch of the imagination but how about this one greg uh his stats have been great on approach but he is like missing every fairway right like that was like the story out of tory pines is how the heck did he win this golf tournament he didn't hit a single fairway right. like what what felt like the entire week but if everyone misses the fairway this week if this is uh, you know, one of the most difficult fairways on tour to hit, uh, wouldn't that make, like, I don't know, like, doesn't that bring everyone back to bad, accurate, or inaccurate drivers of the golf ball? You know what I'm getting at here? I like, if everyone's exactly missing the fairway, saying, right? Yeah. Even if you're Patrick Cantlay, you're hitting 70% of the fairways, you're still gonna miss your fair share. Right. Um, it's like last week at Pebble, we were saying, hey, uh, iron play is very important, but greens are going to be missed. So short game is important too. Right. Right. I, I understand completely what you're getting at. Here's the thing with Mark Leishman that I actually like. One, he is a real upright swinger of the club. The, the, he takes the club back very, very upright in the backswing. Um, a little bit on the open, more open than closed club face. That can be very beneficial out of the rough. Um, so I like that. He hits, he likes to hit that high cut shot. I really like that. Uh, uh, with firm greens. So those are, are big benefits to me, big positives. The other thing is, it, despite all those missed fairways, he kind of was missing everything to the right, which was what we go back to that one-way miss, the old mm -hmm. one-way miss, which is great. And that's a sign that he can really get it going. So I, I don't think that driving accuracy is going to continue to be that bad. I think that's just kind of the recovery of Hey, uh, I, I was missing both ways. Now I'm missing one way, missing a lot of fairways still. I, I think Mark Leishman's a, an interesting pick because of the iron play, the ability to recover out of the rough and also what he can do on and around the greens. He, I mean, he is so talented on and around the greens. You gotta like him this week. What I think is interesting is 
so usually the DraftKings salaries uh, pretty much mirror the betting odds. However, uh, Paul Casey, who's not even in, he's in the next category. He's in the next tier of, of, of pricing. And Mark Leishman are both 45 to 1. But guys like Jordan Spieth, who are more expensive on DraftKings, like 55 to 1. Uh, Phil is 55 to 1. Patrick Reed is 55 to 1. So you don't usually see um, that scenario where you have a guy who is actually cheaper than their peer but like could also like Vegas is also much higher on or they're in the same pricing tier. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a little bit of value there, but I just at least thought it was interesting. What do you do when you see that situation? Cause I, I mean, I guess I can understand it. If you're more expensive on DraftKings, it probably means you're, you're more likely to play well, but you're right. maybe less likely to win. Is that what you, what you make of that? I think it depends, but I, like, yeah, in general, if, uh, like, like Paul Casey's a really good example because he's $7,900 on DraftKings, but he, his Vegas odds are closer to him being like, what would be like $8,800, like $1,000 more expensive on DraftKings. Right. So I would say that Paul Casey is a value. Now, outright winning, you're right, Greg, is different than playing well on DraftKings. Like there are guys, and we saw it from Casey who shot an 81 on Sunday in really bad conditions. Like you could be you could have a really good week and win and at the same time be, be just as likely to miss the cut. And and Vegas only cares about one of your positions, whether it's outright. Um, but but DraftKings, you kind of have to care about all the positions in between, you know, second through 119th, right? Like you have to care about all of those. So it, it depends on the player. But I would normally say, like in this specific situation, Paul Casey would be a value. Very, very interesting. I, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think he probably took a little bit of, of a hit on DraftKings because of that last round on yeah. uh, Pebble. But I don't think we're going to see conditions like that. I, I actually think this is a pretty good golf course for Paul Casey. I mean, are there bad – like, Paul Casey's like a very good golfer uh in the world. He seems to compete a lot of places. Like, yeah, I think a lot of courses fit him as we jump down into this 7K range, which starts with Bryson DeChambeau and, and Paul Casey at 7,900 and goes all the way down to – oh, man, it gets pretty ugly at the bottom. Uh Jim Furyk, uh, Eric Van Ruin, uh, Corey Connors at 7,000. So there's a lot of names to choose from. We mentioned the value inherently to Paul Casey, but anybody else in here that's getting you excited? I've got like one or two guys. Well, uh, Max Homa has, is a guy that's been on a, yeah. on a nice little run. Uh, it was Kyle Porter's pick in DraftKings, so I, I do think that he's a pretty good pick. Abraham Answer is also an interesting guy to me. Not for any statistical reasons. Uh, oh, well, actually, I'm sorry. That's up. He's up in the $8,000 range. That's okay. You can go back up there. So just to go back up there quickly, <laughs> the thing about Abraham is he's, he is, I believe, feels like he belongs now and he's got this intensity about him. We saw it at the, at the American Express. I think he believes he's one of the best players in the world. I think the President's Cup proved that for him. So in a field like this, I think a feisty Abraham answer could make a little bit of a run here. But back down to the $7,000 range, uh, some other guys that I do like, um, with Paul Casey, I like, I do not like Bryson DeChambeau. So I'm definitely no, going to keep him off the list. Um, Max Holma, again, the other guy that I'm looking at and Cam Smith. I think those, if you're anywhere in there, these are guys that are really, really good plays. Cam Smith hits his long irons really well. So if there, if there's a situation where the, you know, your approaches are longer than we normally see, I, I do appreciate a good Cam and Smith. And he puts well. Yeah. Um, I have a guy. <laughs> Uh, Charles Howe the third is $7,500. I, I knew you were going to go there. Oh yeah. And he is one ten to one. Now we know the whole Charles Howe 
and how often he actually wins thing. But let me throw this one at you. So I aggregated the last three years of strokes gain data here at the Genesis. So you just add it all up. Like DJ has gained nearly 31 strokes on the field in the last three years. Well, Charles Howell is fourth on this list. Uh, he's gained nearly 21 strokes on the field. Only DJ, Kevin Na, and Justin Thomas are better. But here's what I like about Charles Howell. Of his 21 strokes gained, 17 and a half of them have been Tita Green. So when you like look at someone like Kevin Na, who has gained 26, but 24 of them are from around the green and putting, that's probably not sustainable. But Charles Howe, who has a, a vast majority of his coming from Tita Green, someone who, you know, historically is very safe. Like there was Charles Howe used to be plug him in, you lock him in, he's going to finish T22 every single week. We're not seeing that as much recently, but you know, miscut at the American Express, but he had a 12th at the Sony. Miscut at the RSM, but he had a 20th in Mayakoba. He had an 8th at the Zozo. Like he is popping up a little bit more. He's not as safe as he used to be, but like this feels like a good spot to deploy him. He he is very safe in this spot, and I'll tell you why. You mentioned some of those places he missed the cut, like the American Express. Scores got extremely – I mean, you got to be basically 10 under par through three rounds to make the cut there. Yeah. So a missed cut at the American Express doesn't necessarily signify poor play. It just means you didn't get – you didn't catch fire. And you basically have to catch fire there to to make the cut, let alone yeah, ten, have a chance to win. 10 under par here after three rounds, you're probably in the lead. <laughs> right. So that – and that's a big deal. He is – the way his game is is designed, it's a steady game. It's designed to hit fairways and greens, make a couple putts when you have an opportunity. It's almost like that boring. That's why you love him so much, right? Because he's a tee to green guy, and yeah, he's sure. gonna. That makes him very safe this week. He's not gonna have that round where it just gets away from him, and he's sitting in really bad spots, and and he the short game kind of gets taken out of play. You know, the with a, a guy like Kevin Na, if he has a really bad tee to green round it, that can almost eliminate his short game because he can just and his putting because he can put himself in spots that are just impossible it's like almost like um if you have a great running back on a on a football team and all you do is hand the ball off but then you go up against the best defensive line in the league and there's nowhere for him to run yeah. you, you just eliminate their their strength or if you get a, a great a team with a great running back and you get a 21 point lead on them in the first quarter now they can't they have to throw the ball to try to get back in the game you take out their strength so with with Charles Howell the third that strength is a really reliable one uh, and and a good putting week could put him right up there near the top of the league one more real quick, uh, because we have to talk about the defending champion, 7700 JB Holmes. Uh, I kind of like joke around about JB and not be, not necessarily like a huge fan of him or anything like that, but obviously you're defending champion and he is now on a pretty good stretch of golf. 16th at both the farmers and the waste management, 14th at Pebble. Uh, I don't know. Are we like getting shades of JB like being good again? Okay, I got I got an interesting stat for you. And okay. this is one you probably haven't seen anywhere. And I just decided I'm going to share it. I love it. Players who play with JB Holmes in the final round. Oh boy. Between <laughs> This is going to be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh Michael Breed was sitting with me and he said, "Man, every everybody who plays with JB in the final round plays bad." Yeah. And I said, you're right. And we just start naming off some of these tournaments. 
right? Yeah, last Alex, year, I think Alex Norin. He killed Alex Norin one right? year at, yeah. at Farmers. So yeah. we just start going back, naming these. And we're like, we got to find that out. So I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And I, I, I say, I can, I, so I dig through, I find all the like last round tea times. There's always articles up. Anyway, I do some digging and from the waste management Phoenix open, of 2018 to the Waste Management Phoenix Open of 2019, players who played with J.B. Holmes in in rounds that he made the cut, so he had to make the mm-hmm. cut in these events. The guys that he was paired with average 70, or the, it's over 72. I don't have it in Jeez. front of me right. I think it was 72.67. Oh my god! And the this is a statistic I asked you for, Rick, if you remember. Yep. The Sunday scoring average is 70 point like zero one or something right. on the pga tour so he makes his he period. makes his partner two shots worse <laughs> so there's almost like a little tiger woods intimidation effect that goes on with yeah he, he just slows you down he's like he's like everyone's kryptonite <laughs> yeah it, it, it's a it's a real thing it, it is a real thing so if jb holmes gets himself into a final group if he can get into like a little runaway pack like he did last year with Adam Scott and uh, and Justin Thomas, it it's really interesting. And whether or not he really does hold anybody up, it, there's definitely that stigma that surrounds it, and it has a real it, it plays a real factor. So I'm interested to see what happens with him, not only to see how he plays, but like who who does he draw, who does he get paired with, yeah. and can he kind of stymie somebody? One guy at the Farmers Insurance Open, he played with Tiger in the final round, Tiger was not really affected. I think Tiger shot 70. So he was uh he was a, a little bit less affected than than most players. I mean there were a lot of 76s, 74, 75s in that group. It was very yeah. interesting. I remember that shot that he froze Alex Noren on like his second shot at Farmers for like four and a half minutes or yeah. something like that. Yeah, um, and then he laid up yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, real quick, let's jump down into the sub seven uh, k range. So we're now now down in the sixes. I think to your point, Greg, if you if you want to build a balanced lineup, it's certainly there for you. You might not have to get too deep here, but I do have a Lonto Griffin stat. So Lonto is sixty eight hundred dollars this week, and I pulled this stat before I knew what his pricing was going to be. But if you look at the last twelve times that he has been priced under. $7,500 on DraftKings, he has returned at least 10 times value in 11 of those 12 times. So that means if he was 7,500, if he returns 75 DraftKings points, that would be what we call 10 times value, which is a very big number for someone down here. So when Lonto is priced low, he's like an absolute go. Now, this is the first time we're going to see him. I like that him. little rhyme you had. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um but this is the first time we're going to see him in like a big boy field. Okay. It's been, it's been the swing season. It's been whatever like this. I, I I'm really excited to see what he does with the rest of these guys here. Okay. So, um, we, Lonto's one of these guys that we've talked about, like a Tom Hoagie, like a, a guy that is he on a hot streak? Max Holmo has gotten into this conversation. Is he on a hot streak? When is it going to end? And last week at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Lonto, to me, it, he kind of changed my mind on that perspective. You, you look at his past results, and he had the four top 20s to start the year, followed by yep. the win at the Houston Open, then a nice finish at the Bermuda Championship, and then he kind of, in those last two events, didn't play very well. So then we had right. the, reset, the reset, 13th at the Century Tournament of Champions, which is middle of the pack, and then at the Sony, it tied 7th. And we're kind of, oh, okay, another hot streak for Lonto. And then he misses two cuts in a row. Mm-hmm. And 
we were thinking, and we talked about this, I believe, you know, is this the end of the Lonto right. Griffin run? This is yep. kind of, okay, now it's going to normalize and he's not going to finish way up high in the, in the FedEx. He's not going to finish fourth in the standings for the year, right? This was just kind of a, a streak at the beginning. So, uh, but last week with that T9, he kind of has come back from those two bad tournaments and they were bad. They weren't just like missed cuts in like the American Express where it's easy to miss the cut. He shot 76 at the farmers. He shot 74 and a 78 at the waste management. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's poor play. And then he bounces it back with 67, 68, 71, 73 on, on a day where, the, where that 73 beat the scoring average for that round. So I, I look at Lonto in a little bit of a different light now. I, I think I'm starting to think he's legitimately a good player and not just a player on a hot streak taking advantage of weaker fields. Where, where do you sit with him? Yeah, I, I I am optimistic on him. So I, I hope that is true, that he can compete in a lot of basically any field, right? And you put him here and he finishes, you know, T19 and we're like, yeah, that's great. That's what, that's what Lonto does. He's going to rack up top 20s. He's going to pop a couple of times a year where he's going to finish in the top 10. He might win once a year or once every 18 months. I'm very optimistic on him long term, but this is going to be, uh, you know, without pulling up his official world golf rankings, this might be the toughest field he's ever played in. So I'm very excited to see how it shakes out this week. Um, and some of these other guys down here, I don't think I'll have to get to him, but like Patrick Rogers is also 6,800. He's made three straight cuts here. Um, someone like, you know, Wyndham Clark has made two straight cuts coming into this with a top 20 last week. I, I don't know if I'll have to get to any of these other sub 7k guys but is there anybody here that that sticks out to you man i i just i i'm with you i am thinking i'm going to design my lineup where i don't have to go this low because i think there's a lot of really really solid options up above i think you can build like a like a world-class team without having to go this low kyle stanley's a guy whose game his the profile of his game really suits a golf course like this but i just don't think he's in that great a form and that's why he's priced at 6400 where he is right it's just it's it's not great he's not in great form so i have a hard time with a kyle stanley cameron tringale is a guy who always attracts my eye because he's a cut maker and mm-hmm. and he's a very very safe pick, but it's kind of a, a vanilla boring. You're gonna get a T30 out of him. So I'd rather go with I, I kind of in my opinion I'm leaving it towards a uh, a guy like a um, Lonto Griffin like we just talked about. I'm kind of gonna leave it there. And for me, that's the the lowest that I'm willing to go. And my hope is I may even in some lineups be able to avoid going that low and kind of stay in the in the 7,000, maybe 6,900 range. I think I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's no one down here, uh, that is like making me force them into my lineup. So I probably will stop at, yeah, Lonto or Patrick Rogers is probably as low as I'll go. Right. Um, let's do a little quick segment, a little rapid fire here. Take your pick. I'm going to give you two guys. Uh, I'm going to see which one you like. It's a little, little head to head matchup. Let's jump right into this. This is such a good one. Bubba Watson. Minus 125 versus someone you might have heard of, Tiger Woods, minus 105. Oh, you're really, I, I mean, <laughs> that's just like, Bubba's my, he's, I'm, I'm so high on Bubba this week. I'm so high on Bubba this week. You're, and you're asking me right now to bet against Tiger Woods. Just so yeah. you know, you're saying, hey, bet against Tiger Woods. A wise man once told me never bet against Tiger. I love <laughs> Bubba this week. I'm not betting against Tiger. No way. I don't, I don't care if I'm wrong. I'm not betting against him. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure Tiger is a dog like this to really anybody in the field. I know Riviera has been weird for him. This, this is just a jacked up price because Bubba has won here three times. Right. I'm also going to take Tiger. Uh, next one. So, this one's the most difficult one for me. Sung Jay, who I love more than anything on the face of the earth versus Colin Morikawa, who I love more than everything but Sung Jay. This is a hard one. You're not throwing your wife in there, Rick? Nah, she's third on this list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She knows it. No. <laughs> also a hard one. I'm, I'm just going, this is, a, this is all hunch, right? These are why these are great. They're, they're yeah. great topics because it's a hunch. So I'm going to go with Sung Jm. Yeah. These are razor thin. Um, usually when I look at these, I like the guy with the higher floor. Uh, but quite frankly, Sung Jae and, and Morikawa both have really high floors. I mean, I, don't, I still don't think Morikawa's missed a cut yet since he's been a professional. Like it's, it's kind of insane. So, um, I'm going to take Sung Jae on rest, which we don't rarely ever get and see how, <laughs> see how he comes back from that. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one, I actually, this, this is straight up. Both of them are minus 115. Bryson versus Paul Casey. Paul Casey. Yeah. I Paul agree. Casey. I mean, that's the easiest one. Paul Casey, that, Paul Casey, Paul Casey all day in that one. Yeah. Bryson, Bryson is the volatile one. He's still trying to figure out his new body. Uh, yeah, that's massive that's changes for Bryson. We'll see in time if that's a mistake or not. But right now, like I'm in the give Bryson a almost a full year. Like I don't really, I, I'm I'm not really going to pick him this year unless he's going to have to catch fire for me. Next I mean, year, what I'll he's start what really he's doing, what he's doing is the equivalent of a swing change, and we've seen swing changes take a while for guys. Like he's learning a lot of new things right now. It, it's going to take a while, I think. And distance control is such an important thing, and this is what Phil Mickelson dealt with last year as well when he started hitting bombs started gaining all this distance we even saw that last week this is still an issue in phil's game where he's kind of going at iron shots full bore and he hit a lot of clubs that it's like wow he's really hitting a seven iron from 190 here it's it's in a marine layer this isn't gonna get but he's going full bore at it whereas phil when he's comfortable with his game and he knows his distances is not hitting the seven iron in that situation so i i feel it's a little bit of the same with bryson here Partial shots become more difficult. Distance control at a precise level the pre- with the precision that's required at Riviera, I think he's going to have a hard time. And I think Paul Casey is all over that. All right, Greg, this is the time of the show where we've got to go on record and put our uh, one-and-done picks on the line. So I'll, I'll start with this. I mentioned uh, who I already bet. I bet uh, Patrick Cantlay. I've got a little bit, a little number on uh, Jordan Spieth as well, which we'll see how much that burns me. But I am going to use Patrick Cantlay as my one-and-done. Uh, we, we mentioned it throughout the show. He has such a great skill set around here. He has proven that with actual results in the last two years and we've seen him win very difficult uh course very difficult courses very deep fields in the past and uh yeah i just kind of love him this week i love the pick i think patrick cantlay is going to do great this week i also think this is a big year for patrick cantlay i hope so i i really do so for me, I'm, I'm going to hold on him. I'm going to get a little more information. I'm not in a position. I'm in second in the standings now. So That's I don't right. have to make any crazy moves here. I've been going with the obvious moves all season long. Uh, some very straightforward. Some might call it vanilla, 
which as we <laughs> talked about last week, it's one of the more complex flavors out there. It right? is. So right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the vanilla pick here. I'm going Bubba Watson. I love the three-putt avoidance. I love the tee to green. I love the recent form. I love the course history. And there's so few places you have to play Bubba. Yep. I'm going with him this week. Bubs. Okay, I guess then for me, I'll save him for uh, TPC River Highlands, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. which is the other fit. Because you probably uh, don't. You're not going to use him at Masters, although no. he, he's very likely. It's just that's too big a tournament. That's where you're yeah. going to use a Brooks Kepka or a Tiger yeah. Woods, or yeah. so. You know, I, I figured it was either this one or River Highlands, and I like Bubba's form right now, so I'm I'm taking him right now. All right, so we're on we're on the record for Bubba and Patrick Cantlay. Um, you know, this is the Genesis Invitational. It is a massive week uh, on tour with this field. It's a massive week for us here at the First Cut. So we're gonna have Greg. How about this? Recap episodes after every round. Pretty slick. So sweet. I mean, it, yeah. it's awesome. We're gonna get into all the details, following Tiger, following all these big names. You, that's the thing with this tournament. It doesn't matter what happens. You're going to have big storylines at the top. So I can't wait to talk about it. And we've talked about it where it's like if you wait, you know, four rounds to talk about something, like you've missed a lot of really awesome storylines. So I'm super stoked about having episodes after every single round. We have one already in the feed uh, outside of this episode. So go back, listen to uh, Kyle and Mark. They had on uh, Doug Bell for P- from PGA Tour Radio, which dropped in the feed yesterday or Monday, I guess it would be, depending on when you're listening to this, which uh, I'm about halfway through, and it's pretty awesome, Greg. It is awesome. Those guys do such great work, and I'm a huge fan of Doug Bell. Um, and these are just going to be continuing. It's a continuing the conversation of storylines that we've basically been having all year long. They're going to come to fruition this week. It's uh, very exciting to see. Yeah, I love it too. And if you love it, if you want more of this, the the way that you can support us is rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen. Goes a long way, uh, helps us out a lot so we can continue to bring you all of this cool stuff. Uh, all right, Greg Ducharme, any final parting words out of here at Genesis? Thank you for, I think we've kept you long enough. So I, I think I've said my fair share. I don't need anything else. I feel good. We'll talk on, uh, I, I think on Friday night. I think I'm next on, on Friday right. night. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's Greg Ducharme on Twitter, the real GFD. I'm Rick Gaiman on Twitter at Rick Run Good. And we'll talk to you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.